And while I'm talking to him, no barking. When I start talking to you again, yeah. So that was the trajectory that the Rocky films were going. <laughs> does he does he need the toilet? He may well do. Let's see. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. For this. So welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me, Ian Harris. And me, Graham Jones. And this week, we couldn't really be bothered. It's been a busy week, as it often is. We've pushed back recording this episode a good, I mean, three times today. Three times today, back. yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, you found, you found Wally, so. I did find Wally. Fun story. <laughs> so I assumed it was, well, I mean, it was, but I, it was a, so I was walking home from the gym. And while walking across the park, I spotted a wizard. <laughs> and my first thought was, why is there a wizard in West London? And then I spotted Wally. And it was like, oh, it's a fancy dress party thing. But then I realised like an hour ago, it's like, oh no, it's a Where's Wally themed fancy dress event. Oh yeah, because you have the wizard. Yeah, and st- yeah, yeah, okay. Because there's the wizard, there must have been the, the other... The other cunts? I don't know. <laughs> There's a dog. There is a dog. Was someone dressed up? Isn't it a Westie as well? Or am I? Or is that Tintin? It's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a white dog. Yeah. And then there's the... This is this shows how little research we've done. We're now just talking about where's Wally. There's the there's like the evil Wally. Like the Wario Wally. Yeah, yeah. Which if we follow that naming convention, I'm assuming is called Mally. Mally. Molly. Yeah. Or Moldo for our... American listeners. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, that that was that was bizarre. Um, so what we've decided to do this week is a break from tradition, and we are doing films we could talk about for ten minutes without researching, because neither of us had the time to research anything. But I still put quite a lot of thought into it. I enjoyed this. So I think the thing that's going to strike most people about this week is the realization that normally we actually do do research. Yep, there's a lot of lot a lot of notes. Barnacle penis. Negging the rancor. Dead's mum's face. I mean, Dead's mum's face always comes up now and then. But I think that, to be fair, if we were talking about things that we could talk about for 10 minutes that weren't specifically films, probably we could get... I mean, I'm fairly sure we probably did talk about your dead mum's face for 10 minutes without researching it. Yeah, that was weird. We also talk about this a lot, given not everybody listens to every episode. <laughs> we covered Mad Max Fury Road, and there's a character that I said I wanted to be, and then it transpired they wore a mask of their dead mum's face. It's, you know, normal stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 polite dinner conversation at the very least. Yeah, and speaking of, d- dinner conversation leads me on nicely to the point I wanted to make. How often do you get told to stop talking about films? Oh, so I was I went out with some friends last night and I was told to stop talking go. about Midsummer. <laughs> I have been told to stop talking about Midsummer a lot. It's been pointed out I talk about tiptoes far too much, which was a film I nearly picked today. Um, Gary Oldman plays a dwarf. I've been told to stop talking about a lot of things. Random random trivia, all all of that shit, just talking about how great TV shows are. It's... Graham, you've told us this before. Yeah, yeah but you don't get it. <laughs> I, I feel like this episode is really going to put that to the test. What I am going to do is, after we've done each section, I am going to have a a time count at the end of each section with how long we talked about it for. Nice. Just to confirm, because if there is anything less than 10 minutes, it's automatically out of the running uh, at the end of the day. Okay, that's Because, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't do an episode titled 
films we could talk about for 10 minutes and then not talk about something for 10 minutes. I, th- I feel like there's going to be um, like a level of like filibustering here. Like, <laughs> you get... This is the, the filibuster special. The filibuster special. Or, or just like, you know, when you, when you were doing an essay in university and you had to hit the word count so like oh so the, the podcast equivalent of double spacing yeah yeah D- double spacing and just uh using the thesaurus a lot to try and um yeah add a few extra words in no no apostrophes <laughs> so it's all it is not it's yeah yeah that's a good yeah no no contractions whatsoever no oh god i used to love doing that we also used to check what the there was a dictionary app that had a word of the day and we would try and fit that into each exam Nice. I did that at um, doing general studies. Oh, general studies was fucking pissed. <laughs> I'm not even sure. So, g- general studies was an A level. It yeah, A S. One of the yeah, t- which yeah. which like ninety percent of universities caveated they don't even look at and doesn't count towards your UCAS points or anything. Score yeah, yeah. UCAS points. Yeah, I, I still don't really understand what the purpose of general studies was. I wrote a long essay general studies about the difference between living in a colony like an ant or a hive like a bee <laughs> what did you what did you conclude oh, i can't remember i know someone who answered it entirely in french someone described a shepherd's pie but were you all answering the same question or did were you just freestyling it <laughs> there were a couple of different ones i think i wrote about like the future of housing oh okay <laughs> was like ultimately I'd, I'd rather be a bee than an ant were, were you the queen bee or were you um were you a little Worker bee. Uh, well, I mean, well, it, it's more living like a bee rather than specifically being a bee. Okay, so you just want to be like, you just want to vomit honey for. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just want, I just want to be a honey farmer, man. That's all I need from life. Just me, my queen, thousands of other mindless drones. It'll be great. You communicate by dancing. It's you know. So if more people were like bees, if you attack someone, you die. Yep, I, I'm a big fan of. Um... The the similarities to the bee. Okay, so you spoke about mindless drones. So that brings in last episode with taking over the world with the thing, and then communicating by dancing is two episodes ago with um, the Goomba dance party in Mario. I just love how everything just everything just ties together. I th- I feel like we're bringing the fabric of the universe together. And also, I think I sent you this yesterday. Another thing happened from yes. The... Yeah, speaking of wizards. <laughs> Turns out we're wizards. Yeah, so the I obviously we mentioned Black Sheep by Bashat Demerhead in um Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, but that song doesn't exist outside of a YouTube music video of with Brie Larson's lyrics. And then yesterday, I think it was, it was announced that digital versions of the Scott Pilgrim album, including the Brie Larson version of uh, Black Sheep, is now available on Spotify and I think you can get a vinyl as well. So I yeah, mean and then, and then... And then obviously when we talked about Mouse Rat, as we were talking about it, it got announced it was being released. Yep. A day after we released an episode on Super Mario Brothers, they released the like Extended the Schneider cut, right? cut yeah. of Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> they it's happened a few times. So I think we're just we're just like positively manifesting. I mean, hopefully not from last week's episode and talking about the thing taking over the uh, the entirety of the human race. Yeah, true. But if we, we we might be able to manifest decent pets. Yeah, that's true. That's that. That's all we really need from that <laughs> episode. We'll ignore the whole everyone being assimilated in just over three years bit, but we'll focus on the isn't Seymour an adorable little dog? He is an adorable little dog. An adorable. He's fucking amazing. Smelly little fucker. And on that note, sh- shall we go? Is my movie recommendation nobody asked for? It is your movie recommendation nobody asked for. I hope you remembered and. 
Oh, but did you research your movie recommend, or is this is this so off the off the cuff? So my movie recommendation nobody asked for, in the spirit of not researching, is 2002's 24 Hour Party People. Okay. The reason I've picked this film is it is the last film I watched. Okay. So seems a seems a good one. Yeah. In yep. in the spirit of not doing a lot of prep, let's just go for that, shall we? So. 24 Hour Party People is about Tony Wilson, who founded Factory Records, and it's all about the Manchester music scene, about Joy Division, New Order, the Happy Mondays, things like that. It is one of the most meta fourth wall breaking films I have ever seen. God, how did you contain yourself? Right. So there's a bit <laughs> where he goes into the toilet with his club and his wife is having sex with the lead singer of this band. Yeah. Or someone from a band. And he leaves. And this janitor goes straight down the camera and says, that's not how I remember it. And then it freeze frames and you hear Tony Wilson, played by Steve Coogan, say, so this is the actual guy from that band. And him and my wife still denied this happened. But <laughs> if you have to pick between the story and the legend or the truth, you go for the story or the legend. Yeah. There's other bits where he stops things to point out that the real Tony Wilson is doing a cameo and things like that. It is just, it's fucking amazing. And obviously the... The soundtrack is insane. Um, and you also get a load of... It's like a who's who of... Oh shit, it's that guy? So right. like uh, Simon Pegg pops up in it. Um, Rob Brydon pops up in it. Peter Kay. John Sims. Whatever happened to Peter Kay? Is Peter Kay alright? Is he okay? He's um. Yeah, but yeah, it's him, him and Brendan Fraser sitting around. <laughs> just eating, eating cheesecake. Cheesecake and garlic bread. Yeah. Just... But so, yeah, it's a it's a really fun film. Okay, cool. I think people should check it out. If um, people don't want to watch the last film that you watched, do you think maybe they should watch the last film that I watched? I think that makes sense. So, what was the last film you watched out of out of curiosity? Genuinely, not bullshitting here. It was Midsummer, the director's cut. And yeah, yeah, I think that's the that's the way <laughs> we go through. So, if twenty four hour party people isn't your thing, if you don't like Manchester, Joy Division, the really happy upbeat music that they provided us all what better film to watch than midsummer soundtrack is still great not quite as electro poppy no there's a lot there um, um there is a party it's not 24 hours and there's people there's there's 24 hours of sunshine true yes glorious sunshine <laughs> but yeah i would i would strongly recommend watching them both maybe not back to back that would be a weird double bill but fuck it why not you should watch both films back to back or simultaneously. Simultaneously. Double screening. Yeah, I, I mean that that would be a trip and a half. So um on that strange, bizarre request, uh, I believe we're over to you. We are. For the first film you could talk about for ten minutes without research. Yes. Yes, we are. The film I am going to speak about for ten minutes that I haven't researched is a film that I have seen probably Ooh. I'd say arguably the most out of any film ever, or at least tied with. And it is also the film that I saw at the cinema the most times ever. So I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but I saw this movie in the cinema on four separate occasions, which is, I think there's only been maybe one or two times I've been to the cinema to see a film more than once. And certainly like, when it's out on its initial run. So I've been a couple of times where like I've seen it and then like 
you know, years ago, like Jurassic Park or something, then maybe seen it at Prince Charles at like a later screening. But in a theatrical run, it's something I rarely do. But I saw Revenge of the Sith a couple of times in the cinema, and I'm not particularly proud of that. <laughs> they, they uh, Odeon gave away posters. Was, it, was that the, I was, the only? I, I was of the age where that was a big deal, <laughs> and you know, like when you when you were a child, a lot of the fight scene stuff in Revenge of the Sith was quite cool. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah, obviously it's, it's it's a kid it's a, it's a kids cartoon. They pretended as a film. Yeah, I I was just annoyed that we we lost all of the the trade federation stuff from Phantom Menace. I just I just yeah. I couldn't stay engaged with all the fighting. There wasn't enough hardcore economics. <laughs> hardcore economics sounds like a really niche like uh, degree subject. That or um, it would be a factory records band. Yeah, it'd be Joy Division supported by hardcore economics, <laughs> which is just three guys with four synthesizers. And a drummer, but with like half a drum kit. Yeah, I, I can absolutely, absolutely see work. that. But the film <clears throat> I was going to talk about is uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's one of the best films I think ever made. <laughs> it's so freaking good. Like for, obviously it's not sort of canon with the MCU and stuff, but it is obviously a Marvel movie. It's just not an MCU movie. Although... Potentially, maybe it might be after Spider-Man 3. Who knows? Yeah, it's... I love the whole multiverse shit. (laughs) I've I've talked about it before, especially with comics, that that that's where my mind goes to immediately. Yeah. All the the mainstream continuity stuff, I could take or leave it, but as soon as you get to, yeah, but what about if it was Victorian times? It's like, yes, yes, I need to read all of this, please. It's... Oh, God. Such a good fucking film. Yeah, it's. I mean, the animation style alone makes it just a, an absolute masterpiece. It's a great story. The soundtrack is just something else. There's a really cool video. So there's a song on the soundtrack which is called "Catch the S Train," and mm. it's the bit where uh, in the movie where he's he catches the S train. Well, he does. Well, sort of, but not quite. <laughs> he's he's chasing the other world so miles morales is chasing peter parker basically and it's they on they're on the s train with the um webs oh yes yeah uh what is it a boy dressed as spider-man is dragging the body of a homeless man yeah or something like that. exactly that yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. that part but the whole so it's kind of like uh i don't know how you would describe the song itself there's kind of lots of scratching and mixing and and stuff that I mean, people much cooler than me would know the terms for. But there's a video of that piece of music being produced, and essentially that music didn't exist. We watch it; they were watching that scene play out, and they kind of live mixed it to what they were seeing in front of them. And it's just like the idea that I I can't even play a single chord on a guitar, let alone watch a movie and like spin out. Did a, you ever? I, I never did it myself, which is really annoying because I'm not sure they do them anymore. But do you remember when the Prince Charles Cinema did silent movies with a live musician? Uh, no. So they did. Um, the one I wanted to go to was they did the General, so the Buster Keaton on a train film. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they had like this virtuoso accordionist <laughs> That's who would just play along, play along live with uh, with the film. Like I'm assuming they were it was prepped a bit, but yeah, it was a similar thing, and they had uh, they ran a couple of them, and it always fascinated me. Yeah, because like you said, it's not my I, I I play guitar, but my brain doesn't work in that way. 
no, like you, I feel like your brain has to be wired. Compl- I mean, at least completely differently to the way my brain's wired, yeah. um, because I, I just be like, oh, this this is really cool. I, I know what. We yeah. did. Do you want me to play something that sounds like Fight Star over that? Because I can do that. <laughs> that's 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 my my guitar niche is being able to make people say, oh, is that a Fight Star song? It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's Fight Star adjacent, which is the name of my tribute band. Nice. I like it. Yeah, I've seen um, I've seen quite a few of the Harry Potters at the Royal Albert Hall with the orchestra, which is some, yeah. is something to behold. It's a really really cool experience. Although it's really strange not knowing if you should watch the film or you should watch the orchestra. Oh god, yeah, that's weird. But yeah, that and that just seeing that and the the creativity that went into this movie is just. Um, and we haven't even touched on the fact yet that we have Nicolas Cage in a Spider Man film. Oh my god. <laughs> So from not not to go to uh, again, this isn't a comic book podcast. But have you read a lot of the noir stuff? I haven't. No, it looks really, really good. So yeah, so Nicolas Cage is Spider Man Noir, which is like Marvel if it was nineteen thirties, nineteen forties film noir stuff, and they're all fucking amazing. There's one. There's a X Men one where it's more. They're not mutants. It's like gangster names. Oh, okay. What? Well, so their their actual their, their mutant name is their like gangster nickname yeah kind of thing. yeah so you've got like the cyclops yeah and then uh the spider-man one i think green goblin and all of his motley crew are like circus freaks just oh god that's so good yeah there's so much and it's nicholas cage but this is it like nicholas cage is just i mean they and actually even like the the cast in general is great in this but the the idea of bringing all of these different spider men and women together into a and pigs and pigs yeah who's done in like the old hanna barbera style right of animation who is who was a spider bitten by a radioactive pig. yeah <laughs> and voiced by john mulaney yes yeah yeah and you had the the japanese spider girl spider bot we've talked we've talked about this before i think but do you know who came up with that character jared way yeah yeah it's fucking crazy <laughs> It is, but but the really cool thing with all of this is like so. Into the Spider Verse has its own really really unique animation style, right? Like I don't think I've really seen anything that's done in that way. But then what they also layer on top of that is what they've with all of these different Spider Men from different multiverses. They've they bring in that animation style and overlay it in the world of spider-verse so like you like you've got the japanese ones all done in the anime style nick cage is properly in like it looks like he's out of a film noir and there's, there's always there's the throwaway line of why is there wind yeah <laughs> for the spider-man noir his cape is always billowing regardless of where they are yeah even like in miles morales's bedroom yeah i just i could watch this again and again and again there's obviously the sequel coming out is it next year i want to say i'm not sure when but i know i know they're slowly starting filtering out the spider people involved yeah (laughs) spider people spider people there's so oscar isaac is going to be in it as spider-man 2099 yeah who pops up at the end of into the spider-verse right is in the post credits they're also doing like the 1960s japanese spider-man there's like a live action series or film. Oh yeah, it's just shit. But they've got that in. Nice. It popped up on Instagram the other day. But again, I I, I love the whole multiverse Spider Verse stuff. There's 
a Spider-Man from the comics who... Have you heard of Spider's Man? No. So Spider's Man is uh, thousands of spiders who think they're Peter Parker. (laughs) (laughs) So it's very similar to... um, uh, oh fuck Rick and Morty oh uh, yeah Million Ants. Ants yeah yeah yeah. so it's it's very similar to that <laughs> yeah it's um, it's gonna be great there, there is it is in this one as well where you have the um, they do the Spider-Man pointing meme as well don't they yes yeah. yeah that's the other thing about it and it's so self-aware and meta as well as being effortlessly cool just it's a really good story as well like it it it's it's not just a as as you well know and as well documented from my thoughts on Avatar, like style over substance isn't enough to make a good film. But I think this is this has it has everything it needs. It is beautiful. It is stylized. It has a great soundtrack and a really really good story. And yeah, I just I bloody love it. And you'll see there's a common theme with things that I'm going to talk about today, and that is just things i want to gush over because why not we're not that kind of podcast man <laughs> uh, but yeah no I, i've seen into the spider-verse so many times and every time i watch it i spot something new mm. i think that's because uh, the first time you watch it you watch it because because the, the, the story is great and then once you know what's going to happen you could spot other things kind of happening in the background and then you've even got similar weirdly to uh another thing which this is a this is a reach. <laughs> I mean, and, and, I I think people are used to us reaching. True. Uh, another another thing which works on many many levels, where you can watch it in like entirely different ways, is Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Because <laughs> <laughs> you watch that and you enjoy like the stupid story of an episode, then you watch it and you notice all the shit happening in the background. Then you watch it again, and then even like you said, on like the the way they've put it together, there's stuff to notice and be kind of blown away by it just works on i like some of like the the audio gags in dark place there's i'm god is there there's one i'm fairly sure there's one like where there's a someone banging their head but the there's the sound of it but nothing actually happens or i i can't remember it precisely but there's yeah or he he pulls away a chair he pulls back a chair and it's clearly like a much larger chair being yeah yeah. gravel (laughs) um my my favorite there was a great podcast i think it's called uh rule of three and they get comedians and writers on to talk about their favorite comedy thing right. and nish kumar did dark place and apparently when they were filming it a lot of the crew would come up really excited to um like matthew holness and richard iowadi uh, and just kind of go like right we know how to film this scene wrong yeah it's like what do you mean it's like no no so there's an obvious way to film it but we know how people would do it badly so they would purposefully set stuff up. The audio guy apparently unspooled a load of the recordings, put it on the floor and just walked all over it and then spooled it back up again <laughs> just so that the audio would be shit. Yeah, it's great. I love the um, the, the BMX motorbike scene is, is probably... That's Black Park, isn't it? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm almost yeah. certain it's in Black Park. Yeah, right? with yeah with the motorbike sounds. <laughs> oh, fuck. So me. yeah, the film that I'm picking is Garth Marenghi's Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> would watch, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 just it's just great. I actually, I think I might watch it again today because because why was, not? That that was a hundred percent my takeaway. I was like, you know what? I could watch that later. <laughs> Graham talked about Spider Man into the Spider Verse for twelve minutes and seventeen seconds. So I, I've approached this slightly differently. 
there are a number of different way reasons why I could talk about a film for 10 minutes. I'll rephrase. There's a number of different reasons why I do talk about films at length and eventually get told to stop. And I've tried to pick one film that kind of captures each of, each of those or which I've been caught out doing a lot. So one reason, as Graham has just shown, is just because a film is good. So for me, a film that I will constantly talk about until people tell me to fuck off is 1987's Predator. Good choice. Predator is just like this, this, you know, we, we could do this in a lot less than 10 minutes of just Predator is one of the best action films ever made. There we go. That's four seconds. I think we've covered everything. We can move on. But do you know what? So the director was John McTiernan. Do you know what film he did after Predator? Not a clue. Die Hard. That's not a bad follow-up. Yeah. So back to back, he made two of the best act, like two of the best action films ever made, and Die Hard's arguably one of the most influential because Die Hard was kind of the move away from the big barrel-chested muscle guys. Yeah. Um, to like <laughs> when Bruce Willis was the everyman kind of character. And then Predator just perfected the big barrel-chested, stupid, over-the-top action film. So over-the-top. So it was originally... Do, do you know where the idea came from? Uh, no, I don't, actually. So, see, what I'm doing is I'm asking a lot of questions because it drags out my time. <laughs> Apparently, the idea from Predator... So it was originally written to be called, like, it was Hunter or The Hunter. Right. It was written off the back of, like, a Hollywood joke because somebody said... The only person left for Rocky to fight would be E.T. <laughs> okay. Where do you go after Ivan Drago? Space. Yeah. That's it. You've stopped the Cold War. Hop on a rocket. I, I would watch Rocky fight an alien. Like, all jokes aside, that is something I would watch. Yeah. And I, th I absolutely think if, if we didn't kind of, if Rocky didn't stop and we got the Apollo series, I absolutely feel that we would have eventually got Rocky in space. And that's, that really is the dream. But yeah, I just love... Pr Predator is everything you want from, like, a shitty 80s Arnie movie. It's like, if you... It, it's just unadulterated stupidity. It's basically a caricature of an Arnie film. You've got stupid one-liners, so you have the whole, uh, stick around. Yeah. You've got arguably the most homoerotic scene in movie history in the, uh... They got you pushing too many pencils. Then, like the weird high five slash arm wrestle thing, yeah, yeah, where it just like lingers on glistening bicep, and it's there's a great uh, a great YouTube clip of that where they do that, and then there's just a nuclear explosion, and it's all I can see now. Have you? Um, this is not Predator, but this came up yesterday, and I feel like I need to talk about it. It's still Predator related because it's Predator Two, but the I don't if you we have. There's another podcast, the Uncredited Extras podcast, who um, oh, yeah, yeah. we frequently converse with on, on Twitter and um, uh, Instagram. Shout out to those guys. They tweeted yesterday a video of Gary Busey explaining the plot to Predator 2. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Which is one of the best things. So to paraphrase, he basically says that the Predator knows something about quantum mechanics and gravity and that we need to sit down with the Predator and find out what he knows and where he gets his weapons from. Because if we don't, he will turn us into pink particles known on the Earth as blood. But is it all, like... It, it, 
It might be that clip or it might be another one. Because again, Gary Busey's up. He's the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> it's not entirely certain he knows it's a film. <laughs> right? Like, it could just be him talking about what he... Like, he, he could 100% believe Predator 2 happened. I, I, it wouldn't surprise I me. Think, I think we, we kind of talked about this briefly when I covered Predators on a previous episode. But Predator 2 is not bad. Like... For what it is, it got it got slated, but I think it's a decent film. It's just the problem is it's a sequel to one of the best films ever made. Yeah, I I just think it's with with so many of these kind of films, you need to you need to take it for what it is. Like so many people will go yeah. into like an over like like the Expendables for example. The Expendables is an over the top ridiculous action movie, and if you go in thinking you're watching Citizen Kane, then obviously you're going to be disappointed. However, if you go in with the expectation that I'm going to watch lots of ridiculous explosions for the next hour and a half, terrible one-liners and a plot that isn't really a plot, then you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Another great thing with Predator is it's just a fun film to talk about because it features three people who ran for office and two people who got elected. So, yeah. well, obviously, of those three, two got elected. So Arnie, obviously, the governor. I think Jesse Ventura got to, like, the Senate in Minnesota. Um, and then the guy who played uh, Billy ran for a government position as well. What is what is it with Americans and electing people that they've seen in films? Or, like, on wrestling? Yeah, yeah, wrestlers, wrestlers and cinema stars. But... Another great thing is, so Billy, for insurance reasons, uh, the actor who played Billy had to have security around him at all times to stop him getting into fights with people. <laughs> just a real hothead. Just, yeah, just enjoyed, apparently, a good brawl. But, like I said, it, it's instantly quotable. The whole, you know, something in the trees, there's something out there, it's not human, we're all going to die. He's buried in deeper than Alabama tick. If it bleeds, we can kill it, get to the chopper. Ain't got to, ain't got time to bleed. Have you got time to duck? Is uh, I thought if it bleeds, we can kill it. That was the line from the Muppets, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Muppet blood. <laughs> it's oh god, I just it's the, the cast are. I don't know. I, I it's the perfect cast for this film. Like I I can't think of it working any better with anybody else in. So like Carl Weathers is per- fucking perfect in it. Yeah, Bill Duke is brilliant in it. Do you know who was originally cast as the Predator that didn't work? Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, right? Jean-Claude Van Damme. And he looked ridiculous. Yeah, so first of all, they couldn't have the Predator costume in green because obviously it's a jungle. Yeah. So it was like bright red. And the original one, the idea was that it would kind of be like stealthy and like a ninja, which is why they got Van Damme in. So I'm assuming it also would have done the splits and had like a bare ass scene for no reason at all. <laughs> but it was laughably bad and it just didn't work. And then I think they got uh, the guy who ended up designing it, redrew it on a plane, basically, and redesigned it. And then they got this guy in who actually features in the... He's the helicopter pilot who rescues them at the end. He's okay. the actual predator. That would have been a real good, like, if, if they actually did that as the twist. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, and then it's just it, it, it's it's like it's two movies stuck together. Yeah, because the first half is just it is just an Arnie film, like your your stereotypical Arnie as a soldier going to fuck up people, and it's only like halfway through that it really becomes an alien film, well, a predator film. 
to the point where I, I wonder if it would have been better if, because it opens with the, the ship landing or the ship flying in space. Yeah. So I wonder how the film would have gone if you didn't have that. So they kind of like from dusk till dawn it. <laughs> right. So then suddenly you get the alien appearing halfway through. Yeah, yeah. That would have been that would have been good fun. How would you feel about Predator getting the original Star Wars trilogy 1990s treatment with like upgrading the graphics of the, the Predator and stuff? Oh, I would loathe it. <laughs> I, I I honestly I don't think I think it's aged very well. Yeah, I mean it's it definitely feels 80s it, it feels 80s but because it, it's the same with uh stop me if you've heard this one before the same with the thing <laughs> so because it is just it's it the, the predator's only computer generated it's when invisible, it's invisible yeah, yeah. so because it is a costume because a lot of the stuff is in camera it is people nearly dying in a jungle it has aged well. Like the only thing I think you could really update would be the the cloaking stuff, but that's now so iconic. I don't think you could. Yeah, and I guess also the other thing you don't want is Jabba the Hutt being inserted into every scene. Exactly. Yeah, you, you, the Predator doesn't need to blink. But yeah, I just I fucking love Predator. I, I will regularly just sit down and talk about Predator, Arnie films. It's also a go-to when it's one of the films I'll put on if I'm drunk and want to watch a film. Mm-hmm. I was very close to picking. I could have had a very similar conversation, but not about aliens, about Commando. Okay. So I think Commando is borderline a perfect action film as well. But Predator it also has the benefit of just being a good film. Commando, I don't think you could say was good in the traditional sense of the word of movie being good <laughs> but it is one of my favorite films I, I'm, not, I'm not saying commando's bad it is just it's arnie arnie is a descriptive term in himself yeah but yeah weirdly uh the films i like to watch when i'm drunk are predator commando bedknobs and broomsticks <laughs> and goldeneye and goldeneye yeah which bedknobs and broomsticks with arnie i think we missed a trick there bobbing along Bobbing along. Substitutionary locomotion. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Predator. It's a fucking amazing film. It's fun to talk about. It's great. Features some of the single most quotable dialogue in movie history. Uh, apparently Arnie tricked Jesse Ventura into thinking Jesse had bigger arms than Arnie by getting the props department to lie about the size of your costume. <laughs> I want to watch Predator now. Yeah. Not Alien vs. Predator though. We, we could ignore that that existed. Oh, uh, yeah, no, 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 fuck that. Ian talked about Predator for 10 minutes and 52 seconds. My second choice is a film that I have discussed um, before on the podcast in our very first Sky episode. Sharks. It is, yeah, Sky Sharks. It is actually, uh, there's a print of it there as well, right behind ah. me. And it is a film that... I'd say consistently up there with some of my favorite movies of all time. And I, I think I was saying this to you the other day when trying to come up with well, what we're going to talk about. There was a lot of films that I could absolutely do this with, but we've kind of spoken them, spoken about them a lot. So I didn't want to... Midsummer, for example. Well, Midsummer, <laughs> Us, Jojo Rabbit was definitely one that was on the list. But I mean... So I was like, okay, well, I have spoken about this one before, but in the context of its soundtrack, particularly. But actually, just want to 
talk more about the movie itself, I suppose. And that movie is Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. Came out, I think, 2017. It has a fantastic cast. It is a great, great movie. So many cool set pieces. The car chases. I think my favourite, and I may have mentioned this on the first episode, I can't remember if I did or not, but it has my favourite car chase that's not a car chase because it's the whole bit where Baby is running throughout the mall and he does the whole like there's all the outfit changes as he goes and it's just yeah such a such a really fucking cool cool piece of cinema even and actually i even love the bit at the beginning with the um is it bell bottoms i think is the song by the john john spencer blues explosion and yeah you've kind of got that whole thing and then he's is acting as if he's going to go forwards and he goes into reverse and does the whole there's that whole like opening car chase and yeah, it's just it's just great. Obviously, you know, there's be nice if Kevin Spacey wasn't in it, but <laughs> it has got a very good cast, Kevin Spacey notwithstanding. So because because we now have like precedent of removing Kevin Spacey from films. Yeah. Who would you replace him with? Um John Goodman. Oh fuck me, that would be good. Man. <laughs> yeah, no fair play. That, that's the end of that conversation. I think you, you you nailed it in one. I think or Bill Nye or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Bill Nye is a good shout. Yeah, John Goodman, Bill Nye, maybe J.K. Simmons, Robbie Coltrane. I'm gonna stick with John Goodman. But yeah, obviously, um, Jamie Fox is very good in it. John Hamm is fantastic. Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers is inexplicably in it for a couple of the. I think it's he's in it for two of the jobs because the the whole thing is that it's always a different grouping of people for each heist lily james is also fantastic and yeah it's just there's something about all of like the color palette as well like it's just like visually it's such a good film and i think it's edgar wright has obviously made many many good movies but this is arguably the first that's kind of quite far removed from like is obviously an Edgar Wright film, if that makes sense. Like you've obviously got the yeah. Cornetto trilogy, which are obviously uh, yeah. And by that you mean Simon Pegg and Nick Frost aren't yeah. yeah. And then you had Scott Pilgrim. Obviously, he didn't write that. That was just him him using the source material. And then this, and I think I remember him saying that this was a this was like the first film he ever wrote. So he wrote the story to Baby Driver ages and ages ago and it's one of those things that he'd always wanted to make it was always on his agenda to make he always wanted to take it from the you know the the scraps in his notebook from 10 20 years ago because i think it may even predate like spaced or be around the time that he was working on stuff like that Mm. and yeah take it to the big screen and i think that really comes through right like one thing that i find with a lot of films that I either like or I dislike is is there actually a story here to be told or are they making the film to make money so it's the classic sequel thing right there's so many sequels yeah, yeah, yeah. that a sequel will be confirmed because they know it's going to make money rather than there's a story to be told which I'm a little bit I, I know I know you're on the different side of the fence to this but I'm a little bit worried that we might get that with the Knives Out sequel because Knives Out did really well and it was like Oh, we're going to do a sequel. So I would, I would agree if it was going to be a continuation of the story Knives Out set out because I don't think that's needed. 
that would be stupid. But I think the idea from the outset was to have it as like the uh, I'm trying to think of a famous uh, like the Sherlock Holmes model. Yeah, it's it's an anthology kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I I hope I'm wrong, but that's that's just a, a, a oh concern. For, for what it's worth, I really hope you're wrong as well. <laughs> And it looks like the casting and everything, it does look great. But but I think that's one of the, like, that is definitely a barometer for me as, like, typically whether I will... And it's the same with TV shows, right? The minute a TV show kind of keeps going for the sake of keeping going rather than, okay, this we had this trajectory planned out and this is how it's going to end, like the lost example, that's when stuff typically goes downhill. So I think the one of the things that really sticks out with Baby Driver is it absolutely, like, this this was like a labor of love for for Edgar Wright, and it's been something that he wanted to make for a very long time. And there was always this story and this approach to this movie, and it finally got made, and it was it was fantastic. It also has one of the best visual gags in in cinema with the Mike Myers masks. So yeah. they're doing the bank heist, and I can't remember who was asked to get the masks, but they were told to get Mike Myers masks, as in you know the dude from halloween because that looks a lot more intimidating but they ended up with austin powers masks because obviously he's played by mike myers i see i see what they did there uh but it's very funny visual gag that they do i think originally it was planned that only one of them was going to have it and the other ones would get like they had to all go and get their own mike myers masks and three of them would turn up with actual like halloween masks and one would be austin powers but they went with all of them being austin powers and yeah, the other thing, which we obviously have spoken about, but you can't really talk about Baby Driver without talking about it, is the, the soundtrack. It is perfect, I think. It's as close to a perfect movie soundtrack as, as there is, is. And the way it's so interleaved into the the movie and the story. Well, there's not, there's not, yeah, there's not many films where you'd have to rewrite scenes if you couldn't get the music. But, yeah. Or re, re-edit scenes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because you've got that really... There's the scene with the um, where they're buying the guns... And there's, I love the dialogue in that because he's obviously to like if there's any bugs or anything in the place, as in like recording bugs, not cicadas. That uh, he talks about in the context of a like a pig and all of the different cuts yeah. of meat. But in that, that ends up in a big shootout, and so many of well, so much of it. So it's it's um, tequila. It's like a remix of tequila that plays over the gunfight and the the beats to the song. I think even the gunshots replace the beats in the song. It's just, it's everything just works in such perfect synchronicity. I love it so much. Yeah, basically, you like music videos. Well, I'm pr- uh, yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. It is. I, I like, I like two-hour music videos. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I do love Baby Driver. I, I like seeing John Hamm as an out-and-out villain. Yeah, because he, 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 he's very good at playing pricks, but never anybody would call an out and out bad guy yeah it's nice to see it's nice to see they're not really being a question over it anymore no but he plays it very well oh god yeah i'd love to see him as uh we'll chuck him in the mcu somewhere maybe uh norman osborne i'd watch that to tie it back in with spider-man that's a very good shout yeah and actually it's funny you mentioned about music videos and stuff because i'm fairly sure and you can edit this out if i'm incorrect but i'm fairly sure that he actually made it so edgar wright did do a music video that was loosely based on his concept of baby driver back in like the early 2000s Fuck, he did didn't he was it was it i i can i can search it was it kasabian i'm not sure no um blue song by mint royale 
and it had um Noel Fielding in. Yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah, essentially that was kind of like the the, the proof of concept for, for Baby Driver as a film. And yeah, I guess it kind of makes sense, right? Because like you say, it ended up being there are there are elements of this that you could absolutely like pick and that is that is a music video, but it is also a very, very good film in the in the process as well. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that video. No, I, I, I Baby Drive is a film I, I, I struggle to talk about just because, it, it, again, it's one of those things where it's like, it's just great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The, the action scenes are great. The music is great. John Hamm is great. Kevin Spacey's not. <laughs> I like that we spoke spoke a little bit about John Hamm there, then we talked about the music video, and then you threw him in again almost as if we had a ham sandwich. Oi, let's... That's not how a ham sandwich works. <laughs> well, it depends. It, 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 would, it would have to be ham in the middle. This isn't like the fucking double down shit. I was just going to say, if, if, people, you, if you go do down this, the double down route. People do this all the time. It's, you don't take a ham sandwich, you call it a bread sandwich. <laughs> so well, what, what do you mean? Well, it's bread and then something and then bread. It's a bread sandwich. That's, that's not how the terminology around sandwiches work. Talking of the terminology around sandwiches, do you know it is... you? It is incorrect to say I have a panini. I have panini. <laughs> no, no, you have a pin. I am panini. You have a panino, or you have fuck off panini. Panini is the plural of panino. Oh yeah, but so you mentioned it twice there, so it's nearly like we've got a panino sandwich <laughs> with some ham in it. I, 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 I appreciate the ham joke, but that's not how sandwiches work. You've lost me now. <laughs> it's, ser- it's seriously called a panino. Yeah, it's a panino. So you can't also so paninis to say I've just gone and bought us some paninis is completely incorrect. There's your little Italian. Learned it lesson. here first, dear listeners. Yep, that's that is the extent of my knowledge of the Italian language is panini versus panino. So what I really want now is a ham panino while watching Predator. <laughs> <laughs> Dressed as Spider-Man. Dressed as Spider-Man. I mean, that's the obvious. That's the obvious place to end this one. Graham talked about Baby Driver for eleven minutes and nine seconds. So, like I said, I, I've picked different topics under which I will regularly talk at length about films, and this one is the one that has instilled most often the phrase "Ian, shut the fuck up," <laughs> and that is Nicolas Cage. I could talk about Nicolas Cage for hours. He is fucking mental, and I unironically love him. He is the man who went bankrupt because he tried to outbid Leonardo DiCaprio successfully in buying a dinosaur skull. He's a man who owns several castles. He's a man who describes his acting ability as nouveau shamanic and spent over $100,000 on an octopus on which to study to improve his acting ability. Can we just have a little segue here, right? So I recently watched the My Octopus Teacher. Yep. Have you seen it? I have not. So it is a really, really interesting, cool documentary. But I It's about a guy learning to act, right? <laughs> but I am ninety five percent sure that that dude wanted to fuck the octopus. <laughs> uh, I think you'll find it's Octopo. <laughs> Yeah, from from the from the trailer I've seen, it wouldn't surprise me that he there might be some undercurrent uh, yes. of octopus love. Yeah, it's like the whole dolphin thing all over again. Yeah, I was talking about that the other day. I got some very weird looks that I knew so much about it. But yeah, Nicolas Cage. People forget that he. First of all, people forget that he was 
legitimately a good actor. Like, Leaving Las Vegas is categorically a great film, and he's incredible in it. Adaptation, he's brilliant in adaptation. Well, I was, I was going to say that. Like, I, I, I watched it, obviously, as, I, as, promised, yeah, after, as promised, after watching it, within, within the time frame as well, I watched it. And he, he is genuine. Like, th- the idea that that is the same Nicolas Cage that we got in Vampire's Kiss blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there's kind of a couple of eras, I guess, of Nicolas Cage, if we want to call that. There was the time where he was, like, legitimately an action hero. So, back to back, he made The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off. Yeah. Which for a run of films, is insanity. Because they're all... and The Rock especially, I, I don't think people appreciate legitimately how good an action film is. Well, you know, the fact that, that Nick Cage made The Rock, and look at the career that he's gone on to have. He was in Skyscraper, all of the Fast and the Furious movies. He owns, he owns an energy hey. drink. See what he did there. Yeah, it's the, the only thing that hasn't aged well about The Rock is the fact that The Rock is now a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so this is obviously a film where soldiers take over Dwayne Johnson. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he did. Then he did a number of serious films. So like 8mm is like a legitimately great thriller. Bringing Out the Dead was decent. Then he went through a phase of not being able to say no to films for financial reasons. There's a film called Wind Talkers. Which is shit, but it's got one of my favourite Nicolas Cage bits of trivia. So, do you know who the Wind Talkers were? No. Nope. So the Wind Talkers were Native American code breakers, basically. Okay. In the Second World War, and the idea is that I I think it was something like they're very few people know the language because it's not really written down. Right. So a lot of the codes and stuff they would use would be in that language because it would be very difficult for like the Japanese to crack it because it would be near impossible for them to learn the language. Nicolas Cage was cast in the film, and he learnt that language. He says it was to better understand the story and people's drive and things like that, but most people believe it's because he thought he'd been cast in the actual Codebreaker role. <laughs> when he hadn't been, he'd been cast as an American soldier, because having Nicolas Cage as a Native American soldier would have just been mental but <laughs> we've also now got to the stage where Nicolas Cage is kind of he seems to be a lot more in on the joke so yeah more recently especially with like Willy's Wonderland which is a I loved it but it's fucking weird and things like Mandy and Color Out of Space he's leaning into being Nicolas Cage the- and then obviously you've got coming out soon the unbearable weight of massive talent which is Nicolas Cage playing himself yeah um, and also, who's haunted by the ghosts of his previous roles? A uh, pig as well, right? Which I don't still think yes. is, which is like him as a truffle hunter. Yep. So I still haven't talked about the film I'm actually talking about, which is great because I'm five minutes in. <laughs> so the film for me, which outside of those three action films and things like that, the Nicolas Cage film I really enjoy talking about is 2004's National Treasure because it's fucking terrible. It's so much fun and it is so bad. So Nicolas Cage plays Benjamin Franklin Gates, <laughs> who is a treasure hunter whose dad, John Voight, taught him from a young age that there was this family treasure where apparently the 
the founding fathers had given to one of their relatives information about where this big like treasure of the empire was kept and the film is benjamin franklin gates hunting for this treasure but it's stupid like nothing so first of all a movie trope which we get all the time that pisses me off every time is if if we were reading something and there was a word or a phrase we didn't recognize do you know what my first thought is now go on check if it's a boat (laughs) because the amount of times the twist is oh it wasn't a woman it's a boat like it was in lethal weapon 2 which we watched the other day it was in uh, national treasure i think it's in um either batman vs superman or justice league it's it's a trope that just keeps appearing and if your job is treasure hunter you should be able to think a bit outside of the box so national treasure is like the da vinci code but written by a guy who couldn't be bothered to come up with puzzles i mean arguably dan brown is has certainly yeah. given less of a shit um, as as his books have gone on as well. Oh, yeah, true, true. But, so, National Treasure is the film where they steal the Declaration of Independence, which, again, the internet thanks Nicolas Cage for that because it has given us decades worth of memes. But some of the, some of the riddles and things where the treasure is would have accidentally have been solved in the 200 years they've been there. So you're taking the, um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark approach to this? Kind, kind of, but no. <laughs> because, first of all, you couldn't keep a buried treasure underneath New York. That's not how... Spoilers for a film from 2004. Um, that's not how that works. Two, you couldn't keep a treasure away from Sean Bean. He's a clever man. He's going to get what he wants. But there's, there's a scene in Philadelphia where they find Ben Franklin's glasses. Okay, I 100%, I 100% thought you meant the, <laughs> the Tom Hanks movie. Oh yeah, that would be different. <laughs> so there's a scene in Philadelphia where he's hunting for Masonic treasure, <laughs> and then he gets fired, and that's then when Denzel Washington comes in. Um, so there is a scene in National Treasure in the city of Philadelphia where they find Ben Franklin's glasses because because there was a clue on a dollar, on a hundred dollar bill that leads them to a clock tower and at a certain time this brick is illuminated, but the brick has got a fucking symbol on it. Right. Like, someone is going to have been on that roof. They would see the one brick with a symbol on and probably think, oh, what's that? I... I really want the film to have been them following clues just to find one had accidentally been dug up. It's like in, um, do you remember old, uh, like 90s, 2000s animations where the colour of the door that's going to open is always slightly different to all of the other doors? Yes, or um, in video games where the wall is a slightly different yeah. colour. Yeah, yeah, you're going to check it out. Ex- it's ex- exactly that, <laughs> yeah. It's fucking stupid and i've seen it so many times and i love it it is stupidly over the top it doesn't make any sense and it's just nicholas cage being very nicholas cagey there's also a sequel where they do exactly the same thing again and i think spoilers for a film that came out far too long ago now i think that there's a treasure in mount rushmore yeah i haven't seen it but i think you might be right at least that rings a bell yeah 
it's and Ed Harris is in it because of course he is. National Treasure Two is where they uh, kidnap the president. As you do. So they kidnap the president to ask him questions, but then the president is like, "Oh, you're going to be hunted now." But he's fine with it, and he answers their questions and says they're going to be finding you. But it's like all the president had to do was turn around and go, "You know what? There was a secret doorway that shut behind us. This guy actually saved my life." But he doesn't because why would you? But yeah, Nicolas Cage. I would. I I have spent a lot of my life watching Nicolas Cage films. I'm still going to spend a lot of it rewatching them because he is fucking amazing. Nothing he does makes sense. He is unironically my favorite actor, and I think the world needs to appreciate him for who he is. I I would I would I would absolutely agree. Yep. Who else has given us bees and an emphatic alphabet? The bees. Yeah, I mean, so I went out of my way to go to uh, the church where the president, uh, the uh, sorry, the church where the treasure is buried under in New York. There were a lot of tourists there. I don't think a lot of people were there because it was the church from National Treasure. Um, couldn't get down to the the vaults though, which is a shame. I do want to be. I I have thought about being a treasure hunter before. I've read a couple of articles of where treasure is. <laughs> that seems that doesn't seem like. I'm ju- I'm just going to throw out here now, Ian. I don't think that's a good idea for a career change runner. I've read a couple of articles about where some treasure is, yeah. so I'm going to give up everything. And go, I've read go I've read a couple of articles where treasure is. I'm going to quit my job and become a treasure hunter. It it, it works. I I foresee no issues with randomly becoming a treasure hunter. If Benjamin Franklin Gates can do it, so can I. Is there out of interest? Is there any actual relation to Benjamin Franklin, or is it just a happy coincidence? No. Okay. They just called him that. Right. It would be like you being called Alexander Hamilton Jones. Yeah, okay. Because at least... We'd have, to, we'd, we'd, we'd have to change our names if we're Because I'm dragging you into this now. Oh, that's apparently. fine. I'm coming. We would have to change your name. So... Well, it, it, it's fine. Like, in um, Uncharted, right? You have, like, he's he is yeah. Sir Francis Drake's, like, long-lost whatever. Yeah, so that's not the case. They just called him Benjamin Franklin. Right, okay. Days. Fair enough. So their dad was... He knew the founding... Not his dad, sorry. Um, One of their relatives knew the founding fathers. I think he might have been like a coach driver or something. Okay. Maybe. But yeah. So yeah, uh, we will... Are you okay with Alexander Hamilton Jones? Oh, absolutely. Um, As long as you keep Aaron Burr away from me because I don't don't want to get shot. That's fine. Well, I am going to be Hercules Mulligan Harry's. (laughs) Ian talked about national treasure for... 12 minutes and 10 seconds. Over to you, Alexander Hamilton-Jones. What's your next choice? I was, I was going to start singing some Hamilton, but no one needs to hear that. The, the bastard orphan son of a whore. Yeah. And a Scotsman <laughs> dropped in the middle of a forgotten trap. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. So my, my final choice here is technically skirting... I'm, I'm skirting the rules a little bit here in the sense that it is not necessarily a movie but i would say i'm skirting the rules uh which we've made up (laughs) by not picking the one stipulated thing we were going to pick but it is a self-contained episode of a tv show that is feature length so fuck you ian we're going with it and the the series is black mirror and the episode i want to talk about is san junipero the one where he fucks a pit and (laughs) <laughs> Sanji de Perry. Uh, to be fair, one of the best episodes of TV ever made. I think. I I think so as well. I think it is, it is one of the most beautiful bits of TV I think I've ever watched. Like, oh, especially given how fucking depressing the show is. Yeah, it's it's definitely like 
it's it's there, there are parts of this episode that are kind of depressing but at the same time if you were to line if it was in a lineup with other black mirror episodes it's not the one that you're picking as the, the murderer which is a really weird analogy to make but you know what i mean it's not <laughs> it's not the most depressing out of of out of the black mirror universe you know uh, you know lineups have ruined a song for me which song i want it that way because whenever I hear I want it that way, I now go straight to the Brooklyn Nine-Nine cold open. Oh, okay. Now number five. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So, um, yeah, San-, San Junipero is, it is, I guess, it's fairly bleak in terms of, like, what the overarching kind of story and everything is. But it's it's just, it touches on some really incredible facets of, I guess, life and philosophy and it also does it again in a way that if you watch San Junipero for the first time, it's not obvious what's happening. When you've watched it back and over and over and over again, like you can, there's little bits that are dropped in throughout where you're like, oh, okay, I, you know, I see what they did there and I see what they did there. But it unravels kind of like perfectly as it goes along. So there's a few things I think that come out of it. So there's, there's obviously like the whirlwind romance love story which is extremely captivating and also it's done in a way and I'm I'm not the person that is any authority on this whatsoever but I feel like in some other shows and stuff where you have a same sex relationship like it's ob- like it's obvious that we're doing a gay relationship this just feels like the most natural kind of it's yeah it's a story point yeah the story point is it is a gay relationship instead of the story point being it's a relationship and this this feels like the most like natural just it is a relationship it is two people that kind of meet become infatuated with each other fall in love and yeah it just feels probably more more natural than the many other on-screen relationships that have been committed to film and then you so you have that element to it and you you obviously are following that relationship and there's highs and lows that that they go through you have the added element of of the i guess what constitutes reality to a degree so there's the whole I mean, I think most things we've spoken about today, there's spoilers, spoilers for San Junipero. But the whole point is that San Junipero is essentially like a computer generated kind of alternate reality heaven kind of thing. And one of the characters who is in it is played by Mackenzie Davis. And she is visiting San Junipero. I think they're allowed to go there like once a week whilst they're still alive to kind of experience it as long as they don't. It's a demo. Yeah, assen- essentially it, that, yeah. And she is... It, it turns out that for the past 40 years, she's basically been in a vegetative state after being in a car crash, after she was speeding home upset, after she'd come out to her parents as, as gay. So she basically hadn't had the opportunity to experience a life, but going into San Junipero, it's given her that opportunity to do so. and. I guess the whole idea of, yeah, it, I guess it makes you question if something feels real and gives you the opportunity to experience things, even if it technically isn't real. Like, 
is what what is i feel like elon musk at the moment talking about simulations and stuff but like and, and come rockets <laughs> come rockets yep uh elon musk as he does tweeted about a cryptocurrency that cryptocurrency is called come rocket because this is the world we live in now black mirror was right <laughs> <laughs> oh okay i'm never gonna liken myself to elon musk again sorry sorry to ruin your uh philosophical ramblings there by shouting come rocket down a microphone <laughs> i mean it's very it's very on brand but yeah i think it just the way that it explores that and it never does it in a way that it's kind of like overly prescriptive and it's like oh like you know there's there's no exposition about it it's just it's just naturally exploring it you find out about her state you see that she's you know she's experiencing love for the first time she experiencing sex for the first time and to be able, you know, arguably, you would like to think that if anyone was ever in such a position with where they'd been like in this vegetative state for so long, that if you could give them a new lease of life, albeit a virtual one that feels real, like maybe you pro- like maybe you should. I don't know. And then the other, it, it, it looks like you're getting a headache. <laughs> <laughs> but what e- what even is reality if we're if we're experienced stuff with senses is is it real even if we know deep down it's not real what would nicholas cage think i don't want to know sanji napero with nicholas cage playing both parts <laughs> face off meets sanji napero the uh, the other Sold. thing that it really touches on as well is obviously like the concept of afterlife so the thing i guess if you've if if you like the demo you can take out a full subscription when you die and you're you essentially get uploaded to San Junipero for the rest of eternity. You can your consciousness can choose to come out at any point, but you can you can be uploaded. And it's again, it's a really interesting point because there's a plot point in it that one of the characters, she was married previously and her husband passed away and decided not to go into San Junipero. So he I guess he took a chance on me. What is her? on you? You said take a chance. <laughs> so I went into ABBA. Because uh, that's the man I am. Yeah, he he was taking a chance on what is what is beyond. Like I guess what what people do now, right? There's no there's no San Junipero now, so you die and we no one knows what happens. So there's there's an interesting again sort of I guess philosophical debate about well is the right thing to do that and and kind of face your mortality or go into the whole computer constructed world that is San Junipero and live out. A new life for eternity, but also, I don't know. There's, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, and like, if you were okay, so I'll put it to you Sanji Napero's real. Are you going? Um, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, wow, my jokey, sarcastic side went away quickly there. <laughs> um, I I don't know because there's a lot of people that I again similar to kind of the episode there there are people that I have lost who would have been before this stuff yeah and not 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 necessarily like I I don't necessarily think there's big pearly gates and everyone's got their their little harp and clouds and bullshit yeah but what whatever would have happened to them yeah. I don't necessarily think going through that's a bad thing. No, I I think it's a good point. But then also you bring up the conversation of uh, like consciousness 
<laughs> like, does just because there is a digital copy of you in a cloud somewhere, would there also be, you know, is it a copy? Was it a cut and paste job or was it a copy? That's basically what I'm saying. As far as I know, it's a full, it's a full upload of your consciousness. And at least that's kind of what they portray in the episode. Hmm. But there is a chance, depending on your, your definition of what that would entail, that you could kind of have the best of both. Yeah, this is very, very, very true. So I think I would. I think I would. I would think I'd be all over it. Oh, I would 100% trial run it. Sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. Like the, like the, the first, like, 20 levels of World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'd, I'd give it a go. Like, there's some... But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm... I... I haven't i'm not at that stage in my life yet where i am dwelling on what an afterlife is but i'm not ready to rule shit out but also like i, I don't know i don't want this conversation to go into like so energy can't be created or destroyed <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and i yeah so I, I apologize for facing you with your own mortality i don't know if you were prepared for this, <laughs> this Wait, today I'm, or not. I'm gonna die <laughs> But um closest I've come to mortality is wearing my dead mum's face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for, just for listeners, by the way, just because I just mentioned having lost people and we're joking about my dead mum's face. Mum's alive and kicking. <laughs> we we aren't that dark yet. No, not we haven't got we haven't got quite there yet. But yeah, look, I, and so these are some of the reasons that I really, really love this piece of filmmaking. It throws up so many questions, debates, and I don't know about 10 minutes. I could talk about this shit for hours. And that's before I've even got on to stuff like all of the aesthetics of the piece. So one of the things about San Junipero is you can visit it at any sort of era that you were alive in. So there's bits where they go to the 80s, to the 90s. And there's a there's always a really cool shot. So that's outside the cinema and they go to like 1984 and it's got the Lost Boys as the poster. And there's some like... I can't remember, maybe Rick Astley or something. On Which the... bit of San Junipero would you want to go to? As in era? Yeah. So, Because like, I, I know you can era jump, but like, if you, wh- where do you see yourself spending the most time? I like to think there's a black and white 1920s. That, yeah, that, that would be great. I'd like to experience the 90s as like a 20-year-old rather than uh, however old I was in the 90s, like in the my l- yeah, that's less fair. than 10. I think that would be fun. Whatever I'm doing, I'm spending all my time at that beach house because the beach house in San Junipero is is literally like it's not just a beach house in the sense it's near the beach; it's on the beach and it looks beautiful. There's just not, and it's such a good piece of of cinema, TV, anthology, whatever you want to call it. It's 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 amazing. Yeah, and yeah. Sorry, I've probably gone way over ten minutes. <laughs> oh, you yeah. have. And uh, it's just it's just good to know. Everybody is going to die. <laughs> Welcome to the philosophy nobody asked for. <laughs> Graham talked about the Black Mirror episode San Junipero for 12 minutes and 24 seconds. This section I have decided to dub because I think I know better than professional filmmakers. So this is a film I have... This is proper without researching because i talk about this film at length and secret here for everybody just 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 come closer i have never watched it the the other good thing about this is i also have never watched it and i haven't watched the film that was it was before it was this i I have watched the film it was before but i haven't watched 
the new one. I have, however, talked about it at length. And that is 2020's Zack Schneider's Justice League. I will happily talk about this film <laughs> for a fair while, yet I have not watched it. You know why I haven't watched it? Because it's over four hours long. If I understand directors have their, their vision and their idea of what a story is, but it is also my belief that if a film is four hours long, you haven't done your job as the director of the film. Mm-hmm. It's your your one role is to make a consumable bit of cinema, whether that is fucking Miami Connection or Citizen Kane. Like it's four hours is too long. If 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 you've got four hours worth of material for a story, make a fucking TV show. Yeah, it's a TV show. It's a it's a movie and a sequel. It's it's not a one. It's the same reason I still can't bring myself to watch The Irishman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because the Irishman, especially, feels very much like it would have been an incredible miniseries. Mm-hmm. But I, I have talked. So I, I do like, I like Zack Schneider. There are a lot of Zack Schneider films I enjoy, but I don't think his DC stuff has been what I think DC should do. Okay. Question: How, if as a percentage, what do you think the amount of DC stuff? has been done in the way that DC stuff should be done because I'd say about I'd say less than 15 so but but, so this is the thing right so what do you mean by DC stuff do you mean the DC expanded universe do you mean DC properties in general do you mean live action because the DC animated universe yeah all of those are fucking brilliant so I yeah I think anything that's animated is very good and I think anything that is not part of this so like shazam was really fun obviously joker was very good the original batman trilogy was good harley quinn movies were very good but yeah the minute it's tied into the what we're 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 not trying to copy marvel but we obviously are that's where everything falls apart for me with dc yeah so I, i i do think some of some of the films some of the films are good so I would I would add Aquaman to your list as well because that was after Justice League and it was like they made the conscious effort to have it as a self-contained story. Yeah. And I just think it's fun because comic book movies are allowed to be fun. The problem for me is again it was that they tried to they tried to run before they could before they earned it. Because the thing I think people forget with Marvel is Marvel was very, for, given that it's now a franchise which is releasing, I think in 2023 we're going to have five films or something like that. Yeah. But to start off with, it was a very slow build-up into the Avengers and then slow build-up from there. And they kind of earned the ability to do these crossovers and by having a strong foundation in place. Mm-hmm. DC assumed they would be fine, so rushed everything into... Uh, first Batman vs Superman and then the Justice League. Man of Steel we've kind of talked about before. I think if you'd f- followed Man of Steel up properly, in hindsight Man of Steel could have been a very good film. Because we've talked at length about the opening Russell Crowe fighting on Krypton. Yeah. It's like fucking great. It is definitely a darker interpretation of what Superman is but it's also the early days of Superman. So it would have been a great opportunity to you would go from that onto 
kind of either Man of Steel 2 or kind of a Batman film, um, or, well, no, let's, let's go Man of Steel 2, where you then show Superman going from, you know, the Man of Steel Superman into kind of the more traditional all-star pinnacle of humanity kind of thing. Because for me, that that's it's it's a very interesting idea that has never really properly been looked at. I yeah, I would. I think one of the other things where they've really fallen down as well is that they had the a big swathe of TV shows that have yeah. had you know varying degrees of success and quality, but were using characters that were in both. So like, I think what the most commonly cited one is that the Flash in the TV show was really popular and really loved yeah. but they've used a completely different actor and a com- it's not yeah it's not doesn't fit it's not canon with the, the movies right yeah um they've we, we can we can get to that <laughs> so the, the problem i had with batman versus superman is the idea is batman has kind of been manipulated into going up against superman yeah if popular opinion of superman is low that's not a big deal like it's got a lot more weight if superman is beloved by all and, you know, all intents and purposes, the hero Superman is supposed to be. And then Batman is turned against him. Yeah. Like, that's an actual interesting dynamic and arc. But they don't. They've never met in that continuity. And it doesn't really... It just feels, again, like it wasn't... There's no payoff to it. The payoff is because of the the pre-existing characters rather than what that film series has built them up to be. And then if you have that, that then brings it, you know, if the, the relationship is there, that then makes that crossover a lot more interesting, which then feeds off into a Justice League film. The less said about the cinematic release, the better. You could tell it was any, I, there are a lot of films. So Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. had a similar thing happen to it, where the original director dropped off, this time not because of, like a family tragedy, but because he was a piece of shit and he was replaced by somebody else. But Bohemian Rhapsody doesn't watch like two directors directed a film. It looks like one person who doesn't know how to edit edited it though. The editor, <laughs> yeah, different story, but you get what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. It, you shouldn't be able to watch a film and go, right, well, this is Joss Whedon. Yeah, yeah. This is Zach Schneider. This is Joss Whedon. Like, that's not how a film should work. So it's a complete mess. And I'm not against the concept of a Zack Schneider's Justice League, but four hours long is fucking stupid. I just think there was so... They seem to have misunderstood a bit about what... What made, like, the Dark Knight trilogy successful isn't that they were gritty and dark. The Dark Knight trilogy was successful because they were very well-written films. Mm -hmm. But... And not just DC, I think a lot of people did it. It's like, oh, dark and gritty. People love dark and gritty. And they just made a shitload of dark and gritty things. And it's like, no, no, that's not why that's not why people why people liked it. There's a lot of there's a lot of crazy over the top Batman villains that would be incredible to explore, but we can't because we're insisting on being hyper realistic about it. Which is why I'm not against the idea of we need to have I, I I know some people disagree with me, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, I think we need to have a bit of faith that people are clever enough to follow different threads of stuff, like comic books. So yeah. I'm completely fine having... So this is Ben Affleck Batman, and he's involved in this. 
and then we've got the Robert Pattinson Batman and he's involved in this and then we've got the TV Batman and that and they're all different things I think we can especially because the TV series have so to touch on what you said they've done like the crisis on infinity earths stuff right so the flash meets justice league flash uh, okay and it's great they they pull in they go to the universe where smallville was set right and they pull in they have an old batman who's voiced by kevin conway or conroy who is like the animated Batman voice. Okay, it's very interesting. I'd recommend looking into it. They they pull in so many different cameos. I yeah, I got to the point with all of the like. I started watching Arrow when it first came out, and I don't want to have to watch four or five different shows to understand what's happening. Yeah, that's 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 my problem. It's too much of a time constraint. That was it. And then also like you couldn't like I don't know if you were really enjoying Arrow, but not so much Flash. You could go to a point and then you had to catch up with the other one and then okay now you can watch this episode and then legends of tomorrow came in yeah which was i loved legends of tomorrow but again you couldn't watch it you, you could but you felt like you were missing stuff but yeah I, I just don't the characters are there and there's so much you could do but i just don't feel like they've gone the right direction with any of it which is a shame because one thing you can't deny is that they have the whole Zack Schneider DC Expanded Universe thing, they have cast it outside of Jesse fucking Eisenberg very well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, again, I I know people didn't like it, but Ben Affleck, I think, is in a brilliant Bruce Wayne and Batman. Henry Cavill is obviously Henry Cavill. He was basically Superman anyway. Jason Momoa is a really fun Aquaman. Gal Gadot is a great Wonder Woman. Ezra Miller... uh, The Flash, though... The Flash, they they are doing this whole Flashpoint thing. Yeah. Which could could be very interesting. Because that basically resets it. Yes. Right? And they have like Michael Keaton is coming back. Yeah. So that could it'll be interesting to see what they go from, from there. But yeah, I just D- D- DC as a whole, I, I, I think there's there's a lot of potential there and they haven't ever really lived up to every facet of it. And that's before we factor in the whole everything around the Zack Schneider thing as well. The campaign for it was one of the most toxic things I can remember seeing on social media. It it was so yeah. Anyone that wanted it were they were just the worst kind of humans, weren't they? The loudest of them were at yeah. least. Like I'm not saying if you wanted a, a Snyder film, you were a piece of shit. But if you were tweeting journalists, so the um, someone from Empire would get abuse like day in day out from people because she said it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and it was like, well, it's arguably the only reason this happened is because there was a once in a lifetime like once in a century pandemic yeah which then freed up a lot of people's time like it's not something that's normally going to happen and it's not something that you are owed because you don't yeah there was a great inside number nine on it recently actually but it's like as as a fan or an audience you don't own it like it's there's a weird ownership i think people feel of stuff like that and you can't be a cunt about it you can come on a podcast and talk for what 15 minutes about how you think dc could be doing better but i'm not going to be i don't think this is going to happen and i don't think it's owed and i'm not going to be tweeting people about it calling them pieces of shit yeah it's 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 a weird entitlement isn't it i i really like this kind of subject matter therefore it should be done in the way that i want this subject matter to be portrayed yeah 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 no exactly and and with with DC, there's so much subject matter that can be interpreted in so many different ways. I think it, 
even more so than Marvel, I think DC would benefit from having separate threads on things. Mm-hmm. Because... But as I said, some of the, you can't, yeah, some of that you, stuff is the best stuff that they've done. Yeah, well, exactly. Or um, one, one, of the, one of the best DC... I've mentioned this on the podcast before. One of the best DC things they have ever done is an episode of the Batman animated series, which I think is called Heart of Ice, and it is the Mr. Freeze origin story. And it is, in 25 minutes, they do more than a lot of those films have done. But you can't explore that in the ultra-realistic, gritty, like, from what it looks like the Robert Patterson Batman will be. You can't explore that in there, because it's not going to fit. No, because they've got weird weird Gimpy Riddler in there, haven't they? Gim- Gimpy Zodiac Killer, yeah. yeah. But in the Ben Affleck continuity, where it looks like we're going to get a giant starfish monster... We can do it. It it makes sense, and I I think people are people are intelligent enough to realize it's separate things. Like nobody thinks the joke is the same world. Why would they assume the Batman? Mm-hmm. But yeah, as could as could be told, I could keep talking about this. It, it it's just one of those. It is such a deep subject to be able to talk about, and everyone has their opinion. And again, I'm very aware that I am. I I do this with everyone. Does this uh, this time of year especially? So we just had the lions tour uh squad announced and the amount of people sitting in their armchairs going that's not who i would have picked obviously you want to pick these guys over the four professional rugby coaches who spent the last four or five months of their lives dedicated to this it just always makes me smile well it's the same with they've just done the same for the england squad for the euros as well exact exact same principle i still think i I would take henry henry cavill on the lions tour to be fair but yeah Zack Schneider's Justice League, a film uh, I have talked about at length and I have never seen, let alone researched. Ian talked about Zack Schneider's Justice League for 14 minutes and 26 seconds. Okay, so, so. top three. Yes. Out of mine, mm-hmm. I, I could talk about all of these three at length, but I think number one has to be Zack Schneider's Justice League, for me, uh, out of my three anyway, because it does open up a giant can of worms that I then entirely submerge myself in. Like that scene in Train Spotting, but instead of a shitty toilet, it's just a giant can of worms. Nice. Number two, uh, again, National Treasure solely because it's Nicolas Cage. I will talk about Nicolas Cage until people tell me to stop, which they <laughs> often do. And that then leaves Predator as number three yeah because it's an incredible film and i love talking about predator because it is so it's such a caricature <laughs> it's it's just fun yeah absolutely i think with mine third place would be baby driver i think i can talk about it at length but at the same time probably the less time spent talking about kevin spacey the better second place is oh saying right we we We've already gone details on death and morbid stuff, so I feel like we've we've earned ourselves a little bit. So with not talking about Kevin Spacey, we should also keep talking about Kevin Spacey because he is a colossal. Will I get sued? <laughs> he's he's a piece of shit who apparently can still work. Well, and in the most, I I can't believe that what is being made is actually being made, but. Yeah, like I'm, not, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to give it any more publicity. But Kevin Spacey and people of that ilk can't be swept under the carpet. They have to be confronted as the absolute shit fiends they are. Please continue. Yes. Second place into the Spider Verse. Into the Spider Verse is and will 
forever be i think one of my favorite films of all time i've seen it probably more than anything else but it's pipped for me by san junipero just for all of the sort of endless philosophical debates that we can end up having as a result of watching a perfect piece of tv as say probably the best episode of of a tv series ever it's the the best episode of a tv series which is designed to get people talking about stuff as well yeah because it's obviously it's all dangers of technology and stuff like that and for all intents and purposes charlie brooker is a fucking psychic with a lot of this shit really really is no screenwriter should ever have to publicly come out and say that he didn't know the prime minister had done things with a pig yeah well and also there's the whole thing obviously recently with uh no crowds in stadium so the the wwe they've had those yes it was very um, it was like that episode with million merits so yeah the wwe they've replaced the crowd with all these monitors and it looks exactly like the episode of black mirror with the avatars in the it's like a talent show isn't it with daniel is it daniel, daniel Kluwer? Kluwer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so yeah it's it's kind of it is it is beyond terror oh, the, the one with the the robot dogs that are basically the Boston Dynamics dogs. Yep. There's the episode with all of the the animatronic bees to pollinate stuff. They're they're yeah, a that's thing that's been into. made. Yeah. So top top three. Um, I think the best way to do a top three is it's ones we both obviously it's like ones we both feel like we could talk about for the ten minutes or more. Yeah. Would are we going to do it the ones we think we could talk about the most? I guess so. Okay, so you start talking about. So I'll, I'll get the stopwatch out. Um, I think I think San San Perro and I think Justice League are up there just because it opens up conversations about the just DC and comic book movies, which I think people have hours worth of material on. Yeah, anyway, that's that's my obvious top two. Those those two those top two slots. Yeah, I I am going to say National Treasure for the last one. Hear me out. The main reason I've done National Treasure is because it brings us on to the Nicolas Cage conversation and I could talk about Nicolas Cage movies for hours. Nicolas Cage movies such as Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> so I feel like we could put Into the Spider-Verse like indented underneath National Treasure. Yeah, so I'm okay with this and I haven't even seen National Treasure. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Do you want to watch it tomorrow? We can watch it tomorrow. We can watch it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Because it's decent weather. We could get the outdoor screen up. We could watch National Treasure in the Let's garden. Let's do it. Fuck yes. I mean, I have to check with everybody else <laughs> if they're okay with that. But that's definitely something we could do. But yeah, I, I, because of the obvious Nicolas Cage conversation, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely okay with that. Well, it's, and, but it's also, again, it, it's so stupid. You could talk about it at length. Like, even just National Treasure. <laughs> he steals the Declaration of Independence. People are going to have done tests <laughs> On the Declaration of Independence. You're not going to be able to hide a fucking treasure map on it. Oh, God, I love it so much. But Baby Driver, uh, Baby Driver I love, but I, I don't feel confident that I could talk about it at length. No, I mean, I the, the, the other one in the top three would be Into the Spider-Verse for me. Which, I guess, has the tangent of, of you could go off into Nicolas Cage as well. But I guess the... The the avenue to Nicolas Cage is is more direct from National Treasure than it is from Into the Spider Verse. So that 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 brings us on to the obvious decision of what do you think you could talk about for longer, comic book movies or death? I mean, depressingly, probably death. 
how, how are we feeling today is basically the, uh, the question we need to ask. Oh, especially after a few pints, like the philo- philosophical conversations just keep on rolling, I think. Oh, God, like, I, I, I'm, right, I'm, I'm going to put Sandra Depera number one, just because when you asked me that, <laughs> all pretense of recording a podcast dropped, and I just started thinking about it. <laughs> and that's... Uh, strange i thought you were going there again then yes i did i that was it it was it reminds me of not that i'm comparing myself to him james a caster on taskmaster yeah so james a caster is obviously at least in part a character yeah yeah but there are parts of taskmaster where his body language changes and he's clearly not pretending to be he's not portraying james a caster anymore he's himself and it's fucking amazing uh, like I think it's like his shoulders drop basically. Yeah, it's like he ho- holds himself completely differently. It's usually while he's shouting at Rod Gilbert. Oh, the, those those team tasks were some of the best TV. <laughs> it, that, that's one of my favourite seasons of it. I think. Oh, without a doubt, it was such a good, a strong lineup. Taskmaster is one of the best things on TV. Oh, easy. It is. It's it's the one thing I watch every week when it's on, and there's not any other TV that I do that with. No, I I I, th- I think it is one of the best things on TV, like just hands down. It, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, and shout out to Mike Wozniak in the new series was up there as one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> what a guy. Well, you've seen they've announced the next series. Yes, yeah, which looks very good as well. Yeah, let, let, yeah. Let's let's not go into our dream lineups of Taskmaster. That's a different show. Okay, so the podcast nobody asked for's top three. Movies we could talk about for 10 minutes without researching. Number three, we have National Treasure and General Nicolas Cage goodness. Number two, we have Zack Schneider's Justice League, brackets, the DCEU in general, close brackets. And then number one, we have Life, Death and San Junipero. So if you could also talk about these movies at length without researching it, or if you've listened to this and thought, you know what, guys, you were better when you uh, had notes, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. And you can also find us at ko-fi.com forward slash the podcast nobody asked for, where you can give us money for coffee. And all of that goes to making the podcast bigger, better, more awesome. And I don't know, maybe we'll, siphoned some of it off into a San Junipero fund. I was just about to say the same thing. Um, well, I, I'm assuming <laughs> it's going to be fairly expensive. Yeah, if you want to... So I'm, I'm definitely on Twitter. I'm going to put up a poll. I want to know if you want to go to San Junipero or not. Would you go? Would you not go? So you can find that poll on Twitter at nobody asked for pod with the number four. You can also find us on Facebook at the same address. And leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, it helps with the whole algorithmy stuff uh, and in your review put any ideas you have for future episodes and we will do the best ones um, would, would, would we be when when we're in post mortality san junipero are we going to do a, a, a podcast in in san junipero you think I, th- I i like to think so we'd have to do it in different like would we have to be relevant to the the era I think or would we just lock ourselves into one i mean we're not relevant to this era so <laughs> yeah fair. fair i say we're wearing a dragon sound vest <laughs> a dragon sound vest with celtic tattoos <laughs> oh good times uh yeah no i, I feel like we could it, it would work and yeah we will we'll take turns who get because we, we we'd have an avatar right well i think yeah you kind of pick it's you kind of pick your like you you a younger you basically yeah, or 
we switch between being Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, and we do yeah. know the full face-off. Full face. So, which, well, if we're f- which, which is a which is a plot that makes a lot more sense in virtual reality. It does. Also, if it's full face-off, it's Nicolas Travolta and uh, John Cage. True. Very true. So, uh, yeah. I haven't researched an outro. No, I'm off to contemplate my mortality, so I'll see you tomorrow. Ugh, no one asked for this.